does piety look like today? What is piety? Thank, praise, serve, and obey. Recover the joys of piety. A new book from Pastor William Whedon. You might know that name, obviously. Our host of Thy Strong Word here on Worldwide KFU. Also author of Celebrating the Saints. Both books from Concordia Publishing House. Thank, praise, serve, and obey. Recover the joys of piety is his new book. Available from Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. In studio with me now, Pastor William Whedon. He's the LCMS Director of Worship, Chaplain of the International Center of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and host of a favorite program here on Worldwide KFU. Thy Strong Word. Pastor Whedon, good morning. Good morning. It's a joy to be with you, Andy. It is fun to have you in studio. This is like twice within I know, a couple of weeks. Weird. They're going to get really tired of hearing this voice. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fun to, to get to be in studio with one, with another host, but also with an author. And I, I love talking about books with authors, but particularly when you write. We, we had a chance to talk about your book, Celebrating the Saints, uh, back at St. Valentine's Day. Right. Back right, in right, right. February. And now we're talking about piety. Now... I was excited at first because I saw the word pie. <laughs> and then you saw the T and you went, oh. <laughs> I thought it was a pie eating contest, but no, it's not. Piety. What is what is piety? Why do we squirm sometimes when we hear the word piety? Well, first of all, what is it? I mean, I really think it's nothing but godly habit. I mean, it's it, it's it's habits that conform with life in the family of God. Um, every family has habits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yes. You know, every single one. And, and good they're habits not, and bad habits. Yeah, good <laughs> habits, bad habits. But they, you know, they're there. And godly habit that would refer to, if you will, the good habits <laughs> that we have in the family of God that that um, continually get our focus where it needs to be, which is off of ourselves, onto Jesus Christ, and onto our neighbor in, in his need. Um, th- there are things we can do in our life that literally help us not have an internal focus, and that's where uh, the godly habits of piety really kick in. That would take major surgery for me to not have an internal focus. (laughs) It would almost take a heart transplant, but he's taking care of that. That's why he gave you baptism. (laughs) Amen. I mean, isn't it? Isn't this so true? We, we by our, our old Adam, by our human nature, constantly have this inward focus and the world around us only fans the flame. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the world <laughs> can't, the can't even imagine another way. Um, it, it, it is what, what the world would think of as, as, as totally normal. Hey man, you got to look out for number one. <laughs> you know? Think about what that means and how people literally live their lives that way. And it's really easy for us to just sort of pull that along with us into the church. And when you do that, then you end up with uh, something called pietism. Uh, And that's even worse, pietism. What is the difference between piety and pietism? Well, pietism, as there's so many ways to unpack that, as a historical movement, pietism really did sort of come about inside. I mean, Lutherans are the mothers of pietism. It came from us. Um, It it, it grew as a response to some people's uh, perception of the age of orthodoxy being sort of so doctrinaire and so, you know, always concerned about getting the, you know, the right the right doctrine down and not caring at all about how you live the Christian life. So this concern for living the Christian life is the mother of pietism. And it 
it's really hard for that to stay anything healthy. It immediately becomes, okay, so let me look at myself and let me see what's going on in my life and what what, what do I need to do? And as soon as we start that way, then you have the inevitable glance over it. Oh, and what are they doing over there? How, how are they living their life? And ooh, I'm glad I'm not doing that. Uh, you know? <laughs> so pietism fosters this divisions in the body of Christ. It talks about real believers, not, not, not just nominal Christians. I'm a real, genuine believer. I mean, it starts these kind of, of divisions and comparisons, and it just spins out of all control into really unhealthy obsession with yourself using spiritual stuff to um, better yourself. If I, if I can put it this way, because pietism always has the eye in the spiritual mirror, not in the law's mirror is a healthy way, but I mean, literally, it, it, it likes to pose in front of the spiritual mirror and admire its spiritual abs and see, look at how far along I've come. Um, and that kind You say of, that all too easily. Uh, you know. As if you perhaps do, do that. Do, 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 you, do you remember what C.S. Lewis <laughs> said to us about this when he was writing a screw tape letters? He was like... Oh, it's been so long since I read that. It's like, this was... This was a, a, My dear Wormwood. It, it, was, it was an exhausting book to write, he said, because I didn't have to look very far. <laughs> I could just listen. <laughs> you know, it was there. This is what Satan does to us. He really does have this... Tw- the, the, Luther describes sin so beautifully with this bend in on self. And the bend in on self is the mark of piety a religious bend in on self. And piety really is all about him doing his great unbending work. Like there's a whole lot more to the world than just what's going on inside of you. <laughs> you know? I like the illustration or the, the, the description. I, I, and I can't remember who you were quoting in this, uh, how he lifts up our chin yeah, yeah, right. in, in piety through these habits. He lifts up our yeah. chin. The Holy Spirit is like the, because the Lord Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the figure of God. I like to picture that figure just literally getting under your chin. You know, picture the person that is so bent in on themselves, always looking at what's going on inside. And the Holy Spirit's work really is to, you know, just get underneath that chin and pull it up so that we begin to look outward. Um, and one of the caveats that Lutherans uh, across the ages have always added about this this work is that this this work, Holy Spirit, is a mighty work, but we always experience it in great weakness. I mean, because as soon as he you know, he pulls it, he pulls our chin out there, and, and if he were to take his finger away for a second, we guess where our our chins would be again. You know, we would be looking back down the side, and we we con- there's there constant struggle to want to do that, and he's got a pretty firm finger saying, nope, nope, look look up. Look away, look outward, look to your Jesus and what he has done for you and look to your neighbor in their need. You will find joy here. And and it's a beautiful thing. So definitely a difference between piety and pietism. So tell me what piety looks like. We've talked about what pietism can look like. Mm -hmm. What is piety? You've you've established this list of, of habits how are habits a part of piety? Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> habit is not a bad thing, right? I mean, the, uh, I know there are people that they hear habit and they immediately think, oh, this is this is a bad. No, the, the habits are not bad. They are just actions that you sort of trained yourself to do because they are beneficial actions. Everyone has habits. Everyone has habits, absolutely. <laughs> Everyone has habits, whether we like it or not. So it sounds like what we're aiming for is... What types of habits? habits how do we habits that shape foster those habits? that look outward to God in faith, in, to, to to our Lord Christ in faith, and the look to the neighbor in love? What are the habits that actually foster that, move that along? And uh, that's where I, I, I teased out eight um, 
in a very kind introduction to the book, uh, 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 Pastor Stephen Starkey said, um, you know, eight habits for the eighth day Christian. Well, I didn't make that connection, but that works really well because <laughs> baptism puts us into the eighth day, right? It, it, we're, we're living. Th- these are the eight habits of people who are living from the age that is to come mm. already forked over to you entirely in your baptism and now growing up into it by the way that, um, that you live. So uh, can I just sort of run down what the habits are? Absolutely. Okay. The first godly habit is faithful listening to the word of God. Um, it, it shouldn't surprise us that it starts there because everything starts with the word of God. The word, the Lord spoke and so it came to be. So it starts with the word, which is not meaning you and your Bible off by yourself, but you gathering together. The word gathers a people. It's always done this. It gathers people to itself to hear it. And so you come together and you listen to the word as it's um, being taught. The Lord Jesus himself, he slipped right into this. You see it in Luke four, right? I mean, it's what he himself is the subject of the word. His spirit is the one who inspired the word to testify about him. But what does he do? On the Sabbath day, you find him sitting in synagogue, listening to the reading of the word. This this pattern of people gathering around the word, it continues into the church as as the move is made, if you will, from synagogue to church. Um, the, 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 the day is shifted. Christ has fulfilled Sabbath. He has rested and fulfilled it. It is, it is, mm-hmm. it is a gift that is done. But the word of God is still the point of the gathering. And so the first day of the week, you see it already taking shape in the pages of the New Testament. It becomes the day that God's people gather and they gather to listen to the word read and proclaimed. Um, and that's sort of foundational, but it's not enough to get your butt in the pew. <laughs> that doesn't do it. Luther is so beautiful. This is the large catechism. If, if you let the word pass in one ear and out the other, it hasn't, you know, you prevent it from doing the very thing that it needs to be. He says in the explanation to the third commandment that that that, that we should gladly hear, but but not that, that but but not just that we hear, but that gladly hearing the word of God, but that we also retain it and keep it, that we learn it, that we we hold it in our hearts and let it do its job. See, it it it, it is a power that will work in us. But that's a word that needs to be received and held. I mean, think of Jesus' parable of the um, the, the sower and the seed, right? They all heard the word. All four heard the word. But if the word is allowed to be snatched out of your heart by Satan, getting you thinking about something else, or you're worrying about um, uh, the trouble that's coming your way, or you're worried about, uh, you know, what am I going to do to have fun this weekend? You can drive out that word from, 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 from before it germinates and does its great job. But where it does its great job... You will you will find that it, uh, it it bears abundant fruit. And one more point on the first habit: it's not enough that we think in terms of Sunday. Uh, it's true, Sunday is great, but but the Lord also has His word for us throughout the week, and and the church has so many helps to let us live in the Word all week long. I know you go through a lot of them here on this show, helping people to discover these things. Um, I mean, it can be as simple as portals of prayer. It can be as as full and complete as we have in Treasury of Daily Prayer or the Pray Now app. Mm. But all these ways are ways where we can dwell in the Word. And you and I both are fans of Audible. Audible allows us to actually listen. I mean, you can mm-hmm. download the scriptures and spend uh, you know, Lent or an Advent listening to the Word of God from start to finish. You'll be shocked at all the stuff you hear that you didn't actually get from reading it. So all those are ways that we extend dwelling in the habit of listening to the word and letting it shape us and do its work in us. And that's what that's what we aim to do here too. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you will deliver right. the word that it might be heard because what happens when we hear the word? Well, what does God promise in his word when 
Faith, faith comes from hearing, hearing. Yeah. hearing from the word of God. It's, 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 this is, it's, it's alive. It crackles. It crackles with the life of God. Um, and, and so the more we, we devote ourselves to the hearing of it, that's just the foundation for which all piety in our life, all godly habits will flow out from the word. The word will start, if I can put it this way, God will get, he'll get in your weeds and start monkeying with you and changing you. That's what he does through his word. But the primary change isn't, you know, this beefing up on the inside. It's just simply teaching you this joy of having, that you have everything in Christ. And because you have everything in Christ, he gives you the gift of your neighbor in love. Mm. All right, so hearing the word regularly, first habit. Mm -hmm. Second habit was daily prayers. And here, let me back up on this one thought here. The catechism is totally... Um, destroyed when it's taken out of the home and stuck into a classroom. I mean, I, I, I really am convinced Satan did two smart moves on the church, um, he, and both of them were aimed at the home. He, he moved the hymnal into the church, and there it sits, and nobody takes it home instead of it being in the home and bringing it to church. And he took the catechism, and he did something even worse to that. He stuck it in a classroom with a bunch of, uh, you know what, prepubescent teens who aren't listening to anything you're saying or pubescent teens who are definitely not listening to what you're saying, as opposed to having it live where God put it to be, which was in the house, in the home. Teach these things when you sit down and when you rise, when you walk along the way. I mean, it's all the stuff you do at home. So the catechism intervenes twice um, at during the day, if you, I shouldn't say twice, at two points during the day. Um, your, your creature needs when you need to sleep, and when you need to get up. And at both of these, uh, you know, it has prayers for morning, prayers for evening, and then you need to feed your body. Prayers for the table. If you do the prayers that are actually printed in the catechism, it doesn't take you long. I mean, you're probably talking about no more than, I'm guessing, you know, for the morning and evening prayers together, four minutes, um, and for the table prayers, what, you know, another four, I'm guessing, total. So you add all that together and you think, well, that's not very much prayer for a day. It's the scaffolding. It's the um, the frame from which prayer as it can start growing all over your mm -hmm. life. So they become um, anchors, if you will. And there's so much more we could say about the bedtime as an image of baptism and, and rising from the dead and, and how that ties together and how the table is at home is a mirror of the table at church, the um, the altar. They, they tie together, but we don't have time. We need to keep going to the other habits. Um, the, the third godly habit is a faithful um, and frequent reception of the Holy Eucharist. Um, that, hey, <laughs> you, you need to have the life of Christ living inside of you for you to be able to have this outward focus, this trust in God. I mean, literally the faith of Christ, the Galatians 2.20 is so, so beautiful, that generative there. Um, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith literally of the Son of God. This is what he plants in us, um, in the Word and certainly in the Eucharist. This is his, his great trust in his Father and his promise to us that he has not forsaken us. And it's also the gift uh, to each other, um, uh, of, of each other to each other. Um, we become one body in him as we eat of the one bread and drink of the one cup. A friend once said, this is one of those cases where the, the old axiom, you are what you eat, actually is yeah, true. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, we fell by eating. We're, we're saved by eating. Um, the, 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 there's It ties together in a very creaturely way that makes people that are interested in spirituality, that, that's awful, you know, bodily, isn't it? And we're like, yep. <laughs> that that that's the nature of the salvation we have in Christ. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, Saint Leo that said um, th the sacraments are the continuation of the incarnation. The enfleshment of God continues in the sacraments. That's the way it is. Hmm. Um, fourth godly habit: confessing our sins and receiving absolution. 
this, of course, publicly, and, and we have to talk about what sin is and what um, what it's not, and what it means to say that we are by nature sinful. We have a section on that. Um, private absolution for, you know, what do you do when it's, you know, you've confessed your sins and it's still eating you awake in the middle of the night and it's still bugging you? That's what that's there for. And, of course, confession of Christian to Christian. Uh, you got grumpy this morning at your wife before you left. Time to say, you know, I'm sorry, Lauren. I shouldn't have been that way. I don't know why. I, I you know. Um, but you were I, listening, I, please, weren't you? Pl- please for <laughs> please forgive me um and uh that that uh and i think this this comes back to the the same pattern that you were talking about with with daily prayers the pattern mm-hmm. that we have in the catechism sets the pattern from which our other the prayers other slope, may right. be may flow when they may be shaped when we have private confession an absolution with our pastor that can also shape and encourage us, uh, lead us to that confession in our household, in our mm-hmm. home as mm-hmm. well. I love, I love, love, love uh, my first hymnal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the front, there's an order for family confession and forgiveness. Beautiful, yeah, so yeah. So that families can uh, what a what a great tool for families to to practice this at home. Absolutely. I mean, this is God's secret weapon. I mean, this is what. <laughs> When he wants to destroy the power of the devil, he brings in forgiveness. That's what he uses to 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 absolutely crush Satan's rule in the lives of people. And he can't stand up against that forgiveness. But that forgiveness flows to us literally from from Christ himself. So that's the point of the absolutions being anchored and spoken throughout the house as well as in the church. All right. Very good. So uh, number five. Number five, sacrificial giving. Um, there's so much we can say about that, but the economy of God is basically that it is in giving that you receive. Um, and uh, he, the Lord Jesus, there, there's a huge tie-in. I'll just put this teaser out there. Between John 6 and John uh, 12, these two passages are tied um, you know, they are tied together hip and joint. It is an amazing thing. Um, and, and it is, he literally challenges them basically to give their lunch away, right? And if they'd have held on to their lunch in fear, they wouldn't have had very much. But because they gave it away, they each ended up with this crazy economy of God with 12, each had a basket, right? Each one of the 12 had a basket of bread at the end of the day. Where does this come from? It's this. It's actually not different than nature. It's the same thing. If you plant a grain of seed, you can eat the grain or you can plant the grain. And if you plant the grain, you might find out that you end up getting more back by giving it away. And this is not, we're not talking prosperity gospel or anything like that. We're talking about the way God works in the world. The one who, who is sparing and is sowing also is sparing in the reaping. St. Paul is really clear on that. Miracle math. There we go. Miracle math. <laughs> Sorry, um, yeah. The, the, the sixth habit, confessing Christ, uh, speaking of Christ to, to our neighbor. And uh, this is as the simply being the fruit of that which you enjoy. If you enjoy something, you natively praise it. You don't have to have any kind of instruction manual on how to do it. If you love something and enjoy it, you say, if I read a book, I'm going to say, Andy, you got to read this book. If I, if I go to a restaurant, I'll say, Andy, you got to go eat there. It's amazing. Um, if you find a great pair of shoes that you really like, you say, Wheaton, you got to buy these shoes. And guess what? I go and buy them because, and you're right. They were great. And I'm glad I bought them. Um, <laughs> so confessing Christ um, as the result of enjoying Christ. And then the seventh godly habit is a watching for the good works that God has prepared for you. I use the, the theme of Easter eggs here. They got to sort of strewn them all over our life. And then the catechism gives us eyes to begin seeing them. The Ten Commandments help us in this and mm-hmm. the Table of Duties help us to begin. Oh, so my neighbor in need right there, this is something I get to do for it. This is cool. This is, this is a gift that God, an, an Easter gift that God plants in my daily life all around. And and the, the, the catechism 
literally opens our eyes to see all these opportunities. Um, the final um, godly habit, which sounds really weird to people, is remembering death every day and the day of judgment. And this is not a downer, but this is really vital that we do this. Uh, you know, the Stoics do it so because you're like, you know, this will actually increase your enjoyment of life if you stop and remember that there's no guarantee that you're going to have your kid with you tomorrow. There is no guarantee. So that means I better enjoy Oscar today. I, I have this child with me now. I will enjoy him. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to bank on it tomorrow that I don't know that he or I have. Right. I mean, this this stoic common sense wisdom. The Bible goes a whole lot further than that. It says, no, you need to think about death daily in order to train yourself to think of it the way God thinks of it. What is death? What did God mean when he told Adam and Eve the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And then they didn't. They walked around. You know, I mean, what does it mean, though? Did they die or did they not? Mm, yes. But what does it mean to die? To be away from the house of the father. This son of mine was dead. is alive again. Um, he was lost and is found. Not so, only to enjoy, but also what can I give what my can child? I give? Sure. Yeah. Sure, when sure. thinking about realizing that mortal. That, yeah, absolutely. So you need to give up that gift that goes on forever. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's part of the, the whole thing too. Um, and finally, the day of judgment to think about um, what it is that we'll stand. You know, we're going to give an account of Christ for the for the to Christ for the way that we've lived our lives here. Um, and as terrifying as that might be, it's also one of the real the realizations that He's not going to toss you out. He, he's forgiven you all your sins. He loves you, uh, but He will indeed award you according to what you've done. The way His grace has been working in your life. The way that Saint Augustine said it is He He will reward His own gifts in us. That's the way He does it. Um, so thinking of all these things together that pr- produces a, um, a whole series of, uh, of, of eight habits that Christians can literally practically adapt, adopt in their own lives right here and now. And as a result, uh, I experience more and more of this joy of living in God by faith and living in your neighbor by love. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I know I ran on too long there, but I don't know how to stop. It's like, hey, Whedon, summarize the book and like, here, I'll give you 10 minutes. Go for it. So... <laughs> That's the best I could do. <laughs> that was a good summary. That was a good summary. Very good. You know, we need an audiobook of this. We need an audiobook. Can you just come <laughs> read it? You know, I would be I'd be tickle pink to make an audiobook. <laughs> you show you show me how to do it and we'll do it. <laughs> That would be awesome. Well, have to ask have to ask CPH how, how, how they let that happen. <laughs> Well, I, I appreciate the summary, but there is so much more within the book to read to that that really and you know digs into all these these habits that, yeah. that you've described here. So I that really try to flesh more. each one out so that mm-hmm. it's not just um, a description. Uh, it's not theory. I, the, the whole book, I, I really wanted it to be a, a practical reflection on our our, our life. Uh, you know, this life of living from the good gifts of God, which is showered down around us constantly. Mm. And uh, w- the joy that comes to our lives when we begin to realize that. That you might share in your master's joy. Yeah. Enter yeah. into the joy of your master. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is God's constant invitation to us through Christ. Mm, thanks be to God. Well, nifty book, handy book to uh, to pick up this this Christmas, really. It'd be a nice gift. And one thing I'll point out that each of the chapters has study questions. So um, it, could it, be a study. it yeah, it could be used for a small group study uh, or or big group study, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the design is is not just that you um, read it and then that's the end of it, but that you read it, reflect it, and then it begin to shape, um, letting the catechism really shape how we live our life together. Not an exhaustive read like this isn't going to take forever. No, it, it reads so. nicely, actually. Thank Enjoy you. it. Much like you speak. 
Well, I mean, the, the goal was exactly there were a to lot make of exclamation it be, right, marks. Right. You know, there are explanation marks. Uh, yeah, I used to write for a guy who who always yelled at me for putting in all the explanation <laughs> marks. Um, no, it, there there are a lot of explanation marks, but there is there is. Uh, it was fun to do. One last thing to throw out sure. on habits. We, you, we mentioned this very briefly. C.S. Lewis. He said, you know, so it, it, you know, is habit a good thing or a bad thing? He pointed out, like when it comes to liturgy, he said, well, you know, you're not really um, you're not really making music until you're not reading the notes and counting, you know, you're not making the music then, or you're not really dancing until you're not counting the steps. You're just, you're, you're dancing. It's in you. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what habits are. That's what habits is for. Does it mean, so if you think about it in liturgy, so, okay, you have it down, you can go on autopilot and then not think, I mean, it sets your mind free to actually rejoice and think in God, or it can set your mind free to think about other things. So if they just become the rote that don't actually let you have the freedom to connect, then you're missing it. So mm-hmm. anyway, sorry. Check it out. Check it out. Think, pray, serve, and obey. Recover the joys of piety from Pastor William Whedon. I'm Eddie Bates. That does it for Faith and Family. Thanks, Pastor Whedon. Thank you. Coming up in just a little bit, Pastor Whedon on Thy Strong Word. <laughs> been listening to Faith and Family, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518, or you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO.